Welcome to the ministry of Faith Community Church of Indianapolis. We pray this message by Pastor John Roberts is a blessing to you. To learn more about Faith Community Church, please visit us at FCCIndianapolis.com. Let's read verse uh, 1, 2, and 3 of chapter 4 of Ephesians. This is King, New King James. says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness and longsuffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I've covered a lot of that, so I'm not. I'm going to try my best not to go back and do it too much, other than verse 2, when he says at the beginning of verse 2, I beseech you, therefore, or I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you. That is a strong word for beseech. It's a word that says, look, guys, this is, I'm telling you, this is vital. This is important. This is Paul pretty much begging. You have to do this. And, and he, but then he goes right back to the, the principle, I'm begging you to do this, to have a walk, but your walk is based on the worthiness to, to be equal, the worthiness of the calling with which you've already been called. And, and that is a general reference to the first three chapters because of all the things that Jesus has done for you, because he, he died for you and, and you know, paid the price for sin. And not only did that, we have redemption through his blood. We have obtained that inheritance that he, he obtained for us and has given it to us. And not only that, but we, he's given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that we have that now. And then he, he prays for us at the end of verse or chapter 1. And then in chapter 2, he says, look, guys, you were dead, 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 dead. Not only were you dead, but you walked out your own desires. This is not something that, that the enemy came in and, and just forced on you, but you had the desire to do that, and you did it, and your very nature was that of the children of wrath. You were as bad as it can be to get. Then verse 4 of chapter 2, But God, because of his mercy and his love for us, not only did he, did he save us, make us alive together when we were dead in those trespasses, but he raised us up together and made us sit with him in heavenly places. It wasn't just that he forgave our sins. He actually exalted us to the same level that he is in right now. And then verse 10 of chapter 2, for we're his workmanship. We, he, he made us just like him. And then chapter 3, he went through and, and said, look, this is, he's done all of this so that he could take all of the disunity, which we're going to get into tonight, and the, the, the divisions. And it's every event, it seems, anymore that comes around. It doesn't matter whether it's a hurricane, a flood, a good thing, a bad thing. It, all of the events of life in our culture right now 
all seem to play one role, and that's to highlight how we are different and how we disagree. That is the, the, the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of the world. But that's not how we were. In, in the first part of chapter 3, that was what Paul said. Paul said, look, the whole reason that, that Jesus did what he did and the reason that he brought in the church age was to take Jews and Gentiles who could not be any more different and marry them and make a brand new type of person who is a new creation in Christ and there's no more difference. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither male nor female. There's neither uh, barbarian or Scythian. There's neither rich nor poor, black, white, smart, dumb, fat, skinny. You take all of the differences you can take in Christ, they're all wiped away. And he did that, and this is part of, of what he's basing our why he wants us to to walk in all of these things because in in chapter 3 of verse 9 he says what the reason he has done all this is that to make all see what is the fellowship of that mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent verse 10 that now the many-sided or the manifold wisdom of God may, may be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. The whole reason that he's beseeching us to have a walk worthy of the calling is our calling is to take the word of God, to take the truth of the gospel and stick it in the eye of the devil. And it's one of the reasons we were talking early about you know the heresy hunters one of the reasons that that just drives me so crazy is unless it's a heaven or hell issue, do you believe in, in salvation by faith? That's a heaven or hell issue. If you want to add anything to, to your faith as a requirement to, to be born again, then I have a problem with that. It's faith and faith alone. I don't know that there's a whole lot beyond that that I'm willing to fight over. I'm certainly not willing to fight over the mode of water baptism. I'm not willing to fight over the uh, kind of worship we have. I'm not willing to fight over is God active in the church today, healing, um, prospering people, all of the, the manifestations. None of those are worth breaking the unity that we should have in, and not should have, that we do have in the church because of what Christ did. And that's where, where he comes. Let me read Mounts' translation of those first three verses. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, exhort you to lead a life worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit by the bond of peace. We dealt last week with humility, gentleness, and patience. I'm not going to go back and deal with those, but I want to start tonight 
and deal really with the bearing with one another in love. The Greek word there for uh, bearing with or New King James says bearing with one another in love is the Greek word uh, stego. And it's the, 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 that word literally means to cover. In fact, in some places it, it's translated uh, to be a roof. But the picture that you get as, as a covering, and I, for a long time I would hear people say, well, what's your covering? And I'd look at them and it's like, what do you mean what's my covering? <laughs> when I go to bed... If it's summertime and the house is a little warm, I don't have any covering. Um, I might have a sheet, but I try not to have a lot of covering because I get hot. In the wintertime, when I keep the house cold, I usually have, you know, a bunch of covers. Is that what you're talking about? Well, it can be in a sense, but no, it, it's talking about protection. Uh, a house, the roof of my house protects me from the sun and in particular, the heat of the sun. In the heat of the day, a little bit of shade is really nice. That covering keeps you from, from the intense heat, especially if you live somewhere that, uh, where the heat is very intense. You have a very strong sun. It, it shields, it guards. All of those things are part of this word to bear up. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, speaking of love, says bears all things. NIV translates that as protection. And I, when I first read that, it's like, wow, that really changes my concept because I was, the day I was really looking at this, I was um, thinking ahead to Ephesians chapter 5 about the role of the husband and it's to love your wives as Christ loves the church. And I thought that means that to walk in love means you have to be a protection. And I had never seen that side of love. In fact, the NIV says love always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So to, to bear up is also a form of walking in love. In fact, the, the verse there says we, we bear with one another in love. Now, a, a great example of that, if you go in and look at Colossians chapter 3, Paul talks about this same theme uh, in Colossians 3, verse, look at verse 12, because the very, the verse 1 through 11 actually covers the same thought that he covered in chapter 3 of Ephesians. But in verse 12, he starts talking about this same process that he mentions in Ephesians um, chapter 4. For Colossians 3.12, he says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, 
kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, basically just a little bit of a longer list than what he gave of the three words in, in the letter to Ephesus. He, and, he, he adds tender mercies and kindness. But then in verse 13, he says, bearing with one another. Well, in, in, um, in Ephesians, he tells us that we are to bear with one another in love. In the letter to the, the church at Colossae, he tells us how we are to do that, which helps. You know, I always, I'm, I'm a very practical person. I want to know how I'm supposed to do these things rather than just telling me, you need to do it. If you don't tell me how, then you've left out a vital portion of the tale. In fact, Gina and I used to, we, we had a church we were involved in. It's where we got married. The pastor was a great preacher. Um, but we would go home sometimes on Sunday afternoon, and we would just be all thrilled. And, and he was a great preacher and a great motivator. And we'd get home and think, we need to do what he preached on today. And then we'd stop and look at each other and say, well, but how do we do it? He would get us worked up and get us motivated to change, but never told you how to go about doing it. Well, that's what Paul's doing here in, in this. He says, verse 13, bearing with one another, same word, and forgiving one, one another. That's how we bear with one another in love. We have to walk in forgiveness. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. He's saying, look, your, your motivation or your model about how you're going to walk in love is you forgive everybody the way Christ forgave you. Well, we just talked about it a few minutes ago. In chapter 2 of Ephesians, we were dead, we were walking according to our own will, we were walking according to the dictates of Satan, and we were children of wrath. That's not a very good pedigree. <laughs> and yet, because of the mercy and the love of Christ... He came and took us out of that and exalted us and seated us with him in heavenly places. We have to offer that exact same attitude towards other Christians. And to be honest with you, we all fall down when it comes to that. Because sometimes it's difficult to do that. And then verse 14, but above all these things, put on love which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. There, being thankful is a part of the Christian walk. We just need, when, when I, and, and believe me, everybody, I'm subject to it, everybody is subject to it. We want to get caught up in the molly grubs. 
we get caught up in the life is hard. And Sunday when I ministered, ain't this a incredible, silly way to live life? Well, it is. Walking by faith, it breaks all the rules of this world. It's, it makes no logical sense. But when we do that, when we, when we put on love, that's different than having love in your heart. I've had people say, well, I have love in my heart for them, and I forgive them, but I don't forget. Well, God not only forgives our sins, he forgets our sins. And I understand sometimes if someone has really betrayed you, there might be a problem with a trust issue. You may not surrender your heart and put your life out there and and give them the ability when they've proven on more than one occasion that they're perfectly capable of sticking a knife in your back. Well, you may not turn your back on them, but you still have to walk in love because that is the bond of perfection. And it's something that we constantly have to do. And I said it Sunday. One of the reasons that Jesus told us that we have to pray for our enemies, that we have to pray for those that despitefully use us, is it's the only way to walk in love. You can't pray for somebody with regularity and stay angry with them. It just won't work. You know, unless you're, you know, doing the disciples' prayer and you're praying down, trying to pray fire down on their heads or praying that a bear comes out of the woods and eats them. <laughs> but Jesus rebuked the disciples for those prayers. So when we're praying God's blessings on people and praying for them and genuinely asking God to intervene in their lives and, be a, uh, and for them to be able to walk in God's prosperity, walk in God's forgiveness, walk in God's love, it's hard to stay angry with them. It just does not work very well. But when we do that, then the peace of God can rule in our hearts. And we can become and, and we need to let that because we were also called into one body. I've said it before jokingly, but you really have a problem with somebody? <clears throat> God may just have you bunk with them for a couple of thousand years and when, when we get into eternity. Say, okay, next 10,000 years, you guys live together. Work it out. Well, when we don't have our flesh anymore, we won't have a problem working it out. But we need to be doing that now. But part of the secret he gets to, and this is the real key, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We need to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You're having a problem walking in love that tells me you're, you're having, you have a word deficiency. You are not reading the Bible nearly enough. It's what, what um, the, the verse that we looked at on Sunday. Think it not strange when 
you come under when these fiery trials come upon you. Well, wait a minute. I know that's um, that's Peter talking, but how can I think it not strange when fiery trials come upon me? Because I, I admitted it. Usually when fiery trials come upon me, very first thing I think of, man, this is strange. But it's... it's First Peter four twelve. If you want to go there, but in 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 verse eleven, if you back up to the verse prior to that, you know, we're not to think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is trying me, as though some strange thing happened to me. Well, why am I? Why would I think it's strange? Because in verse eleven, he's saying, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. This person who is thinking it's strange is thinking it's strange because they're looking back and saying, God, I am speaking your word, I'm walking in your anointing, and I am exalting you. And in, in effect, I'm fulfilling Ephesians chapter 3. I'm making known your wisdom to the principalities and the powers and the spiritual forces of darkness in this world. So why am I being tested so hard? Well, because that's part of life. <laughs> it's, just, it's just part of what we have to walk through because we still do have a flesh. We have a natural body that has the nature of the flesh in it, and it will always want to do it. And we have spent a lifetime being trained mentally to, to do that. You know, I, I can't, I remember, and, and I'm going back to when I first, I was an adult, and I got really serious about being a Christian. And I had all kinds of friends come to me, and, and they all gave me the same Bible verse. God helps those that help themselves. And I finally, when they, the first time somebody said that to me, I thought, well, I'm going to go find that verse. <laughs> I got, I actually went and bought a, I think that was when I bought my first Strong's Concordance. And I couldn't find it. And I went to my pastor and I asked him, I said, people keep telling me, where is this verse? And he said, it's not in the Bible. People quote it as if it's in the Bible, but it doesn't exist. And then it was like I kept hearing it over and over and over. Why did I hear it? Because even some of those people were church attenders. I started to say Christians, but I'm not sure they were Christians looking back on it. But they attended church. One guy, uh, he was, I was a, a middle school science teacher. He was a high school science teacher. He was a deacon in his church who was encouraging me not to get too far off and not to get too radical because, you know, I know, I, I know you just got saved. Well, he didn't know I just got saved. He just knew I started getting serious. I was going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night. Wednesday night, I was excited about being a Christian. I was excited about the fact that I wasn't going to go to hell, and my life wasn't going to be a hell. 
That was what I was excited about, and it was all because of I, I figured out who Jesus was in my life. And I started realizing that all the things that Christians had told me God was doing to me, I found out it was the devil doing it to me. And Jesus was trying to make all those things well. And suddenly it was like, well, okay, I'm going to get into this book and figure out what it says. Now, I've walked out a lot. I'm, I'm walking a lot better in that now than I did 30 years ago when I first started doing that. But still, when I look at my life and I have a deficiency somewhere, it's because I'm not letting God's word dwell in my heart. I'm talking my problem instead of talking the answer. And anytime I hear the problem come out of my mouth more than the answer, I'm going to live the problem more than I live the answer. It's just part of the fact of, the, of my life, of anybody's life. And then we get to verse 3, and I'm going to make this really quick. He said, part of the reason that we need to, and it, and it is essential, part of the reason that we need to, to bear with one another in, in love is because we need to, New King James says, endeavor New King James says we need to endeavor to keep the unity of the faith. Mounts says we need to make every effort to preserve the unity. That word there is spadazo, and literally the picture that that Greek word for endeavoring or making every effort, it means to hasten or rush to exert yourself. It's the shooting Sunday night. There are just literally, of course, you know, there were, what, over 50 people killed, 500 and some odd wounded. So in, in that, side of, that size of a crowd with that big a tragedy, there are multiple opportunities to show your character as either being a coward or a hero. And if someone noticed somebody being a coward, hopefully they just don't advertise it. But once people see someone being a hero, they brag on them. So we have many examples that we've seen people take videos and, and show people being heroic. One husband died because um, when the firing started, he knocked his wife down and jumped on top of her. And he got shot several times in the back, and she didn't get any wounds because he shielded her with his body. Well, that's pretty heroic. That is running to exert yourself. If, if you remember a few years ago when, when the um, Boston Marathon bombing happened, if you watch the videos of when that first bomb went off, you will see that there are the vast majority of the crowd ran away from that bomb. But you can also, if you watch it, you can see there are several people, a lot of people actually, but there were a whole group of people that ran towards where that bomb went off. That's this word to endeavor or to make every effort. Those are people that are hastening. They're rushing to make an effort. 
That is the thought that Paul has here. This is something that we need to do this in a heroic fashion. It may, it's not going to be easy. For one thing, the entire world, we've saw it in the first three chapters, the entire world works hard to divide us as Christians and just as people in general. They want to divide us black-white, rich-poor, uh, conservative, liberal, you name any other way of dividing up people, men, women, Democrat, Republican. They have a gazillion ways they want us to divide. And in, in Christians, they want to, you know, and, and unfortunately there are some Christians that want to divide. Well, I'm a conservative, you're a liberal. I, I like contemporary um, music worship and I like traditional and if you like traditional and you're not for contemporary then you're just old-fashioned and you're just you're you know you're less of a Christian well we we need to rush and and this is primarily a directive to us individually unless you have a voice in the greater church which none of us do it's an admonition to us we need to work hard to never, ever do anything that splits the unity that is already there. It's not like we're trying to find ourselves and, and make the church unified. And, and let me make this point. Unity does not mean uniformity. And that's probably the big problem for most people. They think if we have unity, then we have to be uniform. He's called us to preserve the unity that already exists because we are all in Christ. But in being in Christ, we are not all uniform because we all keep our individuality. And I am different from every other human being on the face of the planet. I'm different than any other human being that's ever existed in the history of mankind. I have different tastes. I have different likes, different dislikes. Even my wife and I, who I'm probably closer to her than anyone else, we are, we are in total agreement on the big issues of life, faith, money, you know, what we're, where we're headed in our life. And at the same time, we are so different in the, the individual things. I just, sometimes I look at her and it's like, really? If I say it's white, you're always going to say it's black. Now, she's not just saying that to be disagreeable, and I'm not saying it to be disagreeable. We just honestly, we see the world very differently, except for the things that are really important. We have a unity of the spirit when it comes to spiritual things. We can walk together, but we're still very different people with very different tastes. We are to preserve that unity, but notice it's the unity of the spirit. That's the, the, the Holy Spirit because he is the one who, he's the glue that holds the church together. We do it by the bond of peace. We have to walk. It, it actually is the peace of God. It's what Colossians, excuse me, the verse there in Colossians says in verse um, Colossians 3 verse 15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. 
that's referring to this bond of peace. It, it's a peace is a glue. It's something that we need to to um, to actively work. And when we want to have divisions, and we want to say, "Look, you're just you're just wrong," then we have to also know that God really, Jesus really doesn't care who's right and who's wrong. In fact, when you, when you say um, that you're wrong, that automatically means you yourself are wrong when you accuse someone else of being wrong. But anything that breaks the peace goes against the Spirit and grieves the Spirit. Because the peace that is a bond that draws us together. In fact, one of the, one of the, the Greek dictionaries describes the the greek word there that's that's translated bond it it uses the marriage covenant to describe bonding where a husband and a wife become one flesh you don't become one spirit we are one spirit with christ we're not one spirit with each other as husband and wife we still keep our individuality but we still can become so unified and the longer you stay together the more it is that way it's because we we bind that that peace bind that harmony binds us together one of the descriptions of that word for for um, for bond describes ligaments that hold a joint together and if you've ever had a joint where you've injured it and it's gotten loose, boy, that especially your knees. Uh, when your when your knees don't hold together and the ligaments aren't tight to keep that knee joint, you just um, you have to be very careful how you walk. You always feel unstable because you realize if I if I turn the wrong way I got before I had my right knee before I got it uh, the knee replacement I got to the point where if I wasn't careful when I stepped out of the car I'd dislocate my knee I got to where in the last two years before I had the knee replacements I would do it once a month now it was also so unstable that all I had to do was stand up real straight and kick my knee my foot straight out and it would go right back into place. And it got to where I felt it go out, and it wasn't painful when it slipped out of joint, and it wasn't painful when it slipped in. It was just that I had to pay attention how I walked, because if I put pressure the wrong way, it would, you know, if it went, if I did it when I was bearing down on it, it could really go out of joint and would, would get terribly painful. But you need those ligaments to hold us together. And then the last one, and I, I, I missed this in my notes. I want to go back and pick it up. When it talks about the unity of the spirit, the root of that word is the, is the Greek word that means one, the number one. When he says that we are to keep the oneness of the spirit, that's what he means by unity. We are to be one with the Holy Spirit. If I'm one with the Holy Spirit, you're one with the Holy Spirit, you're one with the Holy Spirit, then we have to be one together. And if we are, we should not be fighting and fussing. Uh, 
we have to run and work hard and exert effort to not break that unity. Because when we do, the Holy Spirit is grieved. And I don't want to get to the place where I am the one causing the Holy Spirit to be grieved. That's not a position I want to be in. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has blessed you, we invite you to visit us in person at the corner of Highway 31 South and Southport Road, Indianapolis, Indiana, or visit us online at FCCIndianapolis.com.